welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. You know, you didn't give me the heads up that we were starting the show at that very second, so I was taking a drink from my drink as you introed the show. You know, hey. Doesn't set a good, doesn't hey, set a good example, hey. but I have to be honest, it is it is COVID quarantine time, and, um, you know. <laughs> the, people are here for boo- the people are here for a boozy Ben, all right? That's what I think people mm. are looking forward to. Um, and that's what they're going to get, maybe. I think that was water, actually. But uh, today, we are talking about um, the fact that Pioneer seems to be dying uh, on the vine. It, it, you know, it's sad to see. We did a bunch of episodes. We have Pioneer Facebook groups and everything, and um, we've been having this conversation for a while and wanted to kind of discuss if we think that's true. Uh, what does that mean for magic? What does that mean for rotation, uh, uh, rotating internal formats? Is there a way to save Pioneer, etc., etc.? Um, and so kind of the, 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 the onus of this was, you know, as, as, as we all know, we're in a COVID-19 life experience and we're stuck at home and, and, and paper magic itself is having its own troubles. But, uh, pioneer for those who don't know, uh, was a format that wizards launched at the end of, um, 2019 as kind of a midpoint between modern and, uh, standard. And, and basically the, the issue is modern was created as a place for standard cards to go once they rotate out of standard. Um, and modern just has been so old now, you know, it, 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 we've been having this podcast for almost, I think six years at this point, if not long about around that. So, and we were a year into modern at that point. So it's an, almost an eight year old format. And, yes. um, just, and, and it starts in 2010. So there's just a ton of cards, or sorry, it starts in the year two, 2006, right? That's the beginning of the card pool. So we're at like 14 years of cards that, and there's a lot of them just were getting very expensive. Wizards wasn't able to keep up with printing and making the format inexpensive. So they wanted to create something that people could buy into that standard cards then rotate into. And so uh, in November, they announced Pioneer. Uh, and it's a non-rotating format. It starts at uh, Magic Origins. Um, and then like goes in the constant tier block. And they start with five banned cards and then decided to do this process where... Every week after Magic Online gameplay and other testing that was happening in the world, they would do a new ban announcement every Monday. And so kind of creating this idea that like almost people have recommended doing a no ban list modern where um, people get to play the format with no ban list and then restart and see what actually is a problem. And so do that with Pioneer um, and then kind of sculpt the ban list at, at, based on actual data and results versus just what they knew based from experience or historical information, what would be problems. Yeah, so that's what Pioneer is. Um, it was kind of really, really successful as a launch platform. People were really, really excited about it. Um, we have these cool polls that we'll bring up a little bit later that uh, and, and Marshall will edit them into the video. Hopefully, I'm going to send it to him. Um, that kind of show like in January, March, and today, like people's responses to the format. It's like a really interesting kind of story in three images. Um, but people were really hyped. Uh, and then just a lot of it happened since then. And and at this point it looks like pioneers kind of fall by the wayside. Um, and in, in my, my opinion, a lot of content creators think out there, it's kind of a, almost a dead format. Um, and that's what today's episode is about. Yeah. I think a couple things to clarify with what you were saying there. Um, I, I think it was, it wasn't quite the end of last year. I feel like it was middle of last year. I feel like it was more like a, around a year ago because I think it was in the fall, maybe like late summer, early fall was kind of what I was thinking. It was, it was, it was because Eldraine was out already. So it was October, it was end of October, early November is okay. when, when it happened, right? Because, because the format kind of launched with Vale or Oko and Once Upon a Time legal in the format. Right. Because uh, I remember, I can remember we were, I was uh, at, at GP Portland back in December hanging with Professor and he was really excited about Pioneer. Um, he was talking about it a lot and I think he had just put up a Pioneer video and I think he was saying he was already worried that that the Pioneer videos weren't performing as well as he had wanted. Um, he was surprised because he felt like there was a lot of enthusiasm. So he already kind of had a question mark up when he was talking to me about it. He was like, I wonder if this is going to be a thing that continues to catch on. And, and, and time's no longer a real thing, so definitely not a big issue. But I think even GT, GP, GP Portland was December, right? Like that was like the week before Christmas. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I like I don't even know what day it is. It's Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? So yeah, I mean that was that was that wasn't even very far into the format. And then yeah. the other thing you mentioned, uh, just because I think I'm right about this, I could be wrong, but I think modern goes back to 2003, not 2006. So it's even deeper. Not I mean, 2000. Oh, oh 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 the starting point of the format. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Yes. I think because I mean only only for the sake of fact checking, but also just because I think we're we're that means we're that much closer to twenty years of card pool. Mm-hmm. I believe modern is a larger card pool now uh, today than it was than legacy was like all of magic was at the time of modern's founding. 
Yeah, right. Like modern is the largest, deepest format. Um, and the really the interesting thing about it, um, I mean, there are larger formats, but yeah, like yeah, it more is more like like modern was created because legacy was unattainable. Part of that had to do with the reserve list, but part of it just had to do with how many years there were. And that was yeah. at that point, if you're if modern was, I believe, created in 2013, was a 20 three-year-old format right or no it was a 19-year-old format and then now we're yeah. hitting almost a moment where modern is older than legacy was then and also the impact of all these new sets as we mentioned in our episode talking about modern becoming a rotating format have had such a major impact that now it's not even just the depth of the format it's the depth of the format combined with all of these powerful cards that have thrown things for a loop and changed there's been a major paradigm shift in the power so but we're not talking about modern as much today as we are talking about pioneer and the decline of pioneer as you mentioned and i think it's it's a very interesting conversation to have for us because if you and I go back to the days when, you know, newer formats were being introduced, let's go back to the pre-modern days. So, you know, you have extended, then you have overextended, you know, new extended as they called it. You obviously have, you know, Gavin Verhey was, was testing, I think, overextended at the same time they were developing modern. Um, it's kind of what, what got him his job at Wizards, right? Not like among other yeah. things that he was doing, but he like created and fostered this really popular kind of fan made format. And 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 another good one to remember, and even before modern is uh, the like Japanese invented format that started with um, like M15 and made had all the cons block cards. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Uh, Frontier. Um, print- Frontier was yeah. it? Frontier, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Frontier. Um, so these are all. I mean, these are all different sort of formats and ways people you know want to play Magic. They come up with you know different starting points. But I think what's really interesting about it is that it's very, very hard for those formats to catch on. It's if you think about the entire history of Magic and new formats that have been created, there's like two or three ever that have actually stuck. One of them was Commander. One of them was Modern. <laughs> I would say those are and the like two legacy and standard and formats. vintage, right? Like in legacy and vi- like vintage has always existed. And then they created right. standard and legacy is like next steps to that with like t- type 2.5 type one and type 1.5, right? Or whatever. Type two, type 1.5 and type one are vintage legacy and standard. Um, uh, and then, yeah. And modern and, and commander, which is a fan made format. And even with commander, you have stuff like tiny leaders and brawl um, that have had middling breaker. Oathbreaker that have like middling successes and like the ones that have even gotten close, which is like Brawl and maybe at the moment kind of Oathbreaker exist because they do something unique, right? Like Oathbreaker lets you play Planeswalkers as commander, which there's a schism of people that want to do one or the other. Um, and then Brawl is supported by Magic Arena. And, and, and then Historic would be the last kind of format in this conversation to really talk about. And that's another one where is attached to magic arena and its success is kind of linked to that. And, and, and we'll get into historic, especially towards the end of the, the conversation. Cause that's our like third big thing. Um, but before we kind of, well, but you were, you were saying about just how many formats there were. Or like yeah, how, just, how it's interesting happens. to look. It's, and it's interesting to look over the years at that, to try to figure out what is it about a new format that people gravitate towards? Why is it? And then specifically we are now living in this age and we're going to talk about this more later in the episode, you know, with the widespread adoption of arena and now with it being available on Mac, you know, when a format's created, how easy is it for people to adopt that format? When it's a paper format, all the things we just talked about, those were all invented as paper formats originally. Pretty much every single one of those was invented and intended to be played originally as a paper format. When you started playing it online, that was like people adopting, just to being like, I'm going to take the thing I enjoy here, and I'm just going to play it in a more convenient way. Well, and, Something and, like Historic, Historic is created for online. That's that's Brawl was created online. That's what it was created for. And, and, and format adoption online is significantly easier than format adoption in paper, right? Because online, if I own a card, I can have it in a, a infinite different decks. I just need one copy of a card and I can have it as many decks as I want, that one copy. In Magic, if I want a modern deck and a legacy deck and a modern and standard deck and a pioneer deck and I want to play Thoughtseize in all of those formats, I need 16 copies of Thoughtseize or I'm going to need to have like all the exact same sleeves and I have to make sure I like move it around and keep track of where stuff is or use proxies. Like there's, it's so much more difficult to have a deck in real life in some ways than it is in arena because you can interchange your cards and move them around however you want. Um, and yeah. And, 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 and kind of talking about why things are adopted, you mentioned overextended and extended, right? And, and, and before modern, what existed was extended and extended was basically just a standard format that was eight year, whatever amount of year, I think it was 12 years or whatever, but whatever years past standard, um, but still rotating. And that never ended up being popular. Part of the reason just was 
Um, it was like supported during PTQ season. So like grinders had to play it for three months of the year. They realized they needed a format outside of standard for cards to go to. And this was their answer. But because it was rotating, it just really hurt people's wallets every year when it rotated and you were losing like your $80 Tomerglyphs, right? Your, the, the $70 card that you had to have four of rotates out and you're just like, okay, now this card's gone. And so that was, and, and in, in many ways is some of the reasons people have problems with format, right? They can't, in, in older formats, they want to buy a deck and have it last forever or as long as possible. Um, then they came out with 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 new extended, and that was four years. So they're like, you know what? This is too long. Cards get too expensive by the time it rotates. If you want to enter the format, it's impossible to get into it. L- let's create new extended. And and new extended was less popular. <laughs> uh, it was the only two years past standard, and, and just kind of ended up being a list of people's least favorite decks from the last four years of standard, all fighting each other. It was like Jund versus Fairies versus Cobblade versus um, Valakut decks, and that was like basically the format. And so people were just like, well, this is miserable. At the same time, SEG launches their program, their their tournament series, and Legacy ends up becoming the most popular format uh, from a competitive play perspective. But the reserve list exists, and so these like fetchlands were getting to like thousands of dollars. It was it was so impossible to get invested in the Legacy. So, but but modern real like Wizards realized, oh, people like the non rotating part of Legacy. They don't care about how old it is they want to be able to have cards being expensive let's create a format that isn't bound by the reserve list that we can reprint cards into that literally as we create this format we will schedule a two years from now reprint set that we print as much of this many of the staples as we possibly can so that we like and that's modern masters and where our name comes from (laughs) um and and let's launch it then and then and then at that moment, Gavin Verhey is now running old ex- or super extended or whatever, and that that's on Moto only and is doing really well. So it's popular. Tom Lapilli in a meeting with Wizards is like when they're trying to figure out which year they should start. He's like, oh, why don't we start with the year that like the card bo- card backs change? Let's make it eighth edition because that's when we went to the modern card framing. Wizards was like, that's a better reason than anything else we have with. So great. And then that's yeah, it's sort of arbitrary, <laughs> but yeah, it's what they came up. With. Uh, well, so 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 to add to what you're saying with that that moment with the inception of modern at that moment. They looked at exactly what you were talking about, those new extended decks and what people had said, which was that I don't really want to play against Jund, against fairies, against, you know, uh, I don't want I don't want these decks to be the only decks people are playing. So they looked at that and they tried to say, well, let's figure out a way to ban one or two cards at worst, but, you know, Mm -hmm. probably one card out of a lot of the best decks Mm -hmm. so that we don't just end up with the same thing. So it was a it was a pretty quick, pretty large ban list. I think when the format launched, it was something like 32 cards or something like that. They did. They did. They did a a, they came with a ban list. They did worlds or whatever. So the the community cup, which was a bunch of uh, community members versus Wizards employees that they that was the first modern tournament. It had a different ban list than the launch one, but it had a lot of the things like hypergenesis was banned. Um... Uh, I think Stoneforge Mystic, Golgari Golgari Grave Troll, um, a bunch of stuff that are like figures of the modern ban list were banned, uh, Jace, and then they did a tournament. And then uh, three months later for Pro Tour Philadelphia, they redid, they made it an official format, they launched Modern, they came up with a larger ban list that included stuff like Bitter Blossom and a a lot of stuff that they saw was a little too overrepresented during that Community Cup, plus a few additional things. That Pro Tour happened, and then for the next six months, they also did... Probably a few bannings, every banning announcement. That's when Punishing Fire got banned, the Locust Lands, um, burnt with the Exile of 10 drop, and you give a thing plus X plus zero to win the burning game. Shoal, Dark, burning Shoal. Um, and so they like got rid of basically like the rogues galleries of standards past. And then once they launched the format over the next six months, banned stuff. And even back then, there was an attitude of, I don't know if I want to invest in more modern yet. It's They're banning stuff too often. It's too it's too hard for me to keep track of what's going to be good, um, which is relevant to today's conversation, which is Pioneer. And Pioneer was created because modern was facing some of the similar problems that Legacy has. It was just so expensive. There's so many cards. Wizards can't keep up with printing to demand. They've realized that the main choke point being fetch lands is not something they can print in a standard printed level set and has extreme challenges being printed into, um, you know, any other set, right? There, there, there's always going to be problems with fetch lands being added to something. And so they realized they needed something that was a little bit easier for new players to get into. And that is Pioneer. And Pioneer 
uh, was responded to really positively. People were extremely hyped about it. We mentioned that kind of the beginning of the podcast. But And Wizards was like, you know what? Last time we banned a bunch of cards. We always get complaints that people need to take them off. We get all these complaints asking for a no ban list modern. Let's try something different. Let's start with no ban list other than fetch lands because we know those are the problem. We don't want them. And we want, and we want it just to be defined as a different format, the modern and legacy, no fetch lands. And... Other than that, we're going to ban stuff every Monday for a period of time. And and the problem with this mentality, which is a relatively fine idea, it does it did sculpt Pioneer's ban list to be something that was, um, you know, unique and, and built based on data. Now, there's an argument that every week there wasn't enough time to decide actually how good different strategies were. Like there's times in modern where like something's way too good. And then three months, three weeks later, it's like no longer like Neoform, right? Right, right. If we freaked out two weeks into that, that card would have gotten banned, or Alsaurus Rider would have gotten banned. Right, or... and it's, that hasn't been really a no. problem since no Modern cares. Horizons. Yeah. Um, and so, but the problem with what they did is kind of what we're mentioning is they happen to be launching the no ban list ban plan in a year with more bannings than ever before in Magic history. <laughs> and so... And like they didn't know that at the time, right? They didn't know Oko and Once Upon a Time and Veil of Summer and all these other cards were going to be this pro- were that problematic at the time of launches. There was like hintlings that Oko was unfun, but like after War of the Spark into Modern Horizons into Eldraine, then launching into Pioneer into Theros Beyond Death, and now and now the companion mechanic, you have. A year where then they decided to create a format where they banned multiple cards every week and basically the whole world became fatigued. It's called banning fatigue, right? People are just so tired of bannings. And so now this new, sexy, cool format that they were trying to push is people are tired by because they're already tired by everything around it. And its main feature behind being affordable is that there's bannings a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's interesting if you think about it in terms of like comparison to any other retail product. Um, and let's just take like the fashion industry, right? Look at clothes and you look at like very classic, very standard clothing that you would buy, maybe a very basic leather jacket or a simple pair of jeans versus any major trend you can remember, at least in our adult lifetimes, like, you know, premium denim with like giant logos on the back pockets or, you know, any kind of like big, super bright, wild looking style. Those things are great for a short period of time, but they're so extreme in a short period of time, people get sick of it. They want to move on. And if it's expensive and those types of things keep happening, anybody who is heavily invested in that type of fashion will probably burn out and move on from it. They'll probably eventually want to buy something simple that they can hold on to that lasts a little longer because they don't they keep getting wowed, but they get fatigued by it. Dad jeans. There's a reason that all dads have them and they're comfy. They last for 30 years and they don't look great, but <laughs> you, you never have to change. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, and, and if you look at other formats like you know, bra- uh, Tiny Leaders is a great example, right? Where, like, this is a format that a bunch of people came up with. It was really cool. It was fun for, like, a, a month. But then, like, very quickly, everyone was like, oh, this is just not that fun. Like, or why is this better than Commander? What is this really doing differently than other formats I'm playing? And and yeah. that has happened. With, and that happened with Frontier, right? People And people were saying, like, oh, this is a, a, a method for, I think it was Haruya. Uh, to to create a format to sell all of their old con staples that they just had tons of and make them more relevant. And people jumped into it pretty quickly and there was like arguments, will this exist? And then it kind of fell by the wayside, partially because it was just like a little too soon, I think. And the, and, and this format, Pioneer and, and, and Frontier are very comparable. I think they have like... Yeah. I think one started with M15 and one started with Magic Origins, which is the only yeah, it's, difference. <laughs> it's it's um, like a year or two. It's yeah. a year or two different. Um, but... But so so you have kind of a world where like adopting a new format is so hard already and you create a format that people are excited about. There's a real reason Pioneer should exist. And then you just make it really hard for anyone to really jump in. Like, right, like you for basically the first six months of this format, it was very expensive to the point I don't like us as podcasters. I couldn't tell you Model Green Devotion was like a main staple of the format, um, I think. (laughs) And like. Like it was even hard to see what the metagame is because the moment a deck got good, they would ban it. So, and at the same time, every other format was having these bannings to the, to to the extremity that eventually got to companion. Um, so that's that's like the top end beginning problem, right? That's where the format starts with banning fatigue, and then 
the plan was starting in February and moving forward, multiple uh, pro tours were going to be our, our, our major pro tour events or mythic champion. I think it was pro tours at this point. We're going to be um, pioneer, pioneer focused. You're gonna, that it was going to be paper turns pioneer. There are going to be multiple magic fests that the grand prix at those magic fests was going to be pioneer based. It was going to be a big supported format this year because hopefully they were planning it by February. There would be a moment where people it stabilizes and we can start growing the format. And then the worst pandemic in the history of our lifetimes happens <laughs> And every paper magic tournament is canceled for the indefinite future, um, which didn't help any paper magic, right? Like modern is being hurt by that. Standard was hurt by that. Anything that basically wasn't playable on arena uh, had problems. There's been a lot of effort by the commander community to even keep that format alive. That's been extremely impressive. Definitely check out roll 20 and uh, Olivia's stream and uh, the stream that Jeremy Noel does. Like they do weekly streams and they're keeping that commander community alive. Channel Fireball did the really awesome command fest, but like paper magic is known by paper magic tournament play has basically moved on to digital platforms. And in those platforms, you're either playing Arena, which doesn't have Pioneer, um, or you're playing Modo, where, like, Legacy is affordable, right? The, yeah. the cost of a paper Pioneer deck, I think, is more expensive than a Legacy uh, Modo deck. and Or even maybe, like, it's close to a vintage Modo deck. <laughs> and so... What? why play the less fun less diverse format that you can't like find the exact strategy you want to play when you have vintage legacy and modern available on the cheap i think it also kind of brings us to the next sort of piece that i want to bring up here which is okay so if if magic online and magic arena are the current focus that's like where the most players right now today are playing magic and they the most tomorrow will be playing magic and even more with arena with obviously the introduction of it on mac it kind of means that Pioneer is a little bit of a format without a country, so to speak, because Historic is the pioneer they want to push on Arena. And and the thing that's especially interesting about that is, so while Pioneer has sort of an arbitrary start date that's not that long ago, so you have some interesting cards and some interesting decks with a small enough band list, Historic is that in Arena, except that they gave us all these old cool cards. It's kind of like they printed a Modern Horizons into into Magic Arena, right? Like, and so we we got like a miniature like three releases of of those those like modern masters or modern horizon sets which are great and we know how great those sets are we know how much fun those sets are to draft and so when you get cards like that introduced into a pool of newer cards of course it's going to be more fun it's curated it's literally a curated list of cards they wanted to add to make it more interesting right like pioneer in competing because 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 wizard's plan for pioneer in, in, in magic arena was always going to be we are going to try and release every set up until Pioneer, right? We're going to, over the next five years or however long it takes us, release multiple times a year remastered draft sets or each of the different sets onto Arena so that we eventually have the modern Pioneer card pool. Um, and for for instance, I excuse me, I believe in August the, the rumor is, is that we are going to have um, the set just passed Domin, uh, not Dominator, it's Dominator Ixalan, uh, uh, Amonkhet. Amonkhet, there's going to be Amonkhet block limited is going to be made available on Arena. Um, and for the first, like, up till Shadows over Innistrad, all of those are programmed into Arena already. They, like, data mined it. So that's just as finding Windows where they don't have other product releases that make sense for it to happen. Um, and M21 being a core set is the perfect time to do that. But um, so their plan is to eventually grow that. And this, and, like, kind of going back to what you said, well, let me finish this. And But... No matter what happens, no matter how many sets they get into to if they get every single set that's in Pioneer, Historic is going to have a people that are already aware of the metagame and like it and b a extra list of cards legal in Pioneer or in Historic that aren't legal in Pioneer that are literally a who's who's of people's favorite cards. <laughs> right. It was like, here's what are the list of cards that we love that we want people to be able to play and that we can put on Historic easily. Stuff like. Sarah Ascendant, stuff like Goblin Matron, stuff like Fauna Shaman, stuff like Captain Sisse, stuff like Thalia, Platinum Angel, all of the cycle lands, um, like Unburial Rites, Phyrexian Obliterator, like the Hondins, <laughs> Marari's Wake. Like these are cards that like, I don't think there's a, almost there are no cards on this list that I don't love to some fashion that, yeah, and most of them will sweet. never... 
Yeah. I mean, dude, look, like, 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 and even not, you're, you're naming like a bunch of sweet, powerful cards, like just cards that are awesome, like really fun Highlander Gauntlet cards that we would play in that format. But even look at some of the stupid commons that are just like Silent Departure. Like, I've played the crap out of Silent Departure in Limited. I love that card. That's always a card that anytime I'm building a deck, I'm always like, well, I could bounce your creature for one. And then it does have flashback to get me like another spell trigger later in the game. In the same way that it's good in Limited, like just having access to an Innistrad common that's like really fun. That's like the kind of thing that they did. So then, so then say, say they get all Pioneer onto it. Say they launch the entire format. Why would you ever play Pioneer over Historic? Why would I ever play a format where I don't have access to Tempered Steel? When like it, because it's it's literally like 20, 30 cards, right? There's twenty, or it's it's a hundred cards, it's ninety cards basically, but they're like ninety fun cards, and like even if well, they okay. Had, and to add to that for a second, like just take a normal hundred. I don't know how many cards are in a set now. What one hundred seventy or one hundred fifty two or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like right in that range. Take like a normal expansion and you look at that expansion and, and let's even go back a little further because right now expansions are crazy powerful. But let's go back to like some of the ones we're talking about, like an onslaught. It's like a good example, right? Take like an onslaught and you look at the whole set and you're like, all right, so there's like 27 pretty relevant cards that are cool or good. And all the rest of this is like a crappy goblin piker in a weird tribe or some outdated tap land that's been, you know, there's something better now or some six drop at common or like some rare I'll never play. You're like, if this got printed into a format, I wouldn't care. And if they spent their time and wasted their money to make this available to me, I also wouldn't care because I'll never play this card. Sure. I, I mean, you're picking a uniquely weak, low power level era, era of time, right? Like, I think if you add like, I'm, I'm take any block, set, right? Like. Like if you okay, and, and even if you take a set, like let's just say my single favorite set of all time. Pick sets in modern they, they, that I know there are cards in. Because <laughs> I don't know anything that's an onslaught. <laughs> sure, but like okay, take take Future Sight, my favorite set Perfect. ever printed. Yeah. Future Sight with an incredibly insane number of weird cards. Even in Future Sight, there's still probably only like 35 cards that I actually would care to see even printed into historic, because like the vast majority of those weird cards are just horrible. There's just like some like morph three, three flying five drop or something, or like, you know, like a, like a thing with a weird mechanic that is useless, like right. fortify. Like, and, and future site is famous for having weird oddball cards that eventually are relevant, right? Like the delve counter spell. No yeah. one wasn't seeing play until people are like, Oh wait, delves good. Oh, this counter spell is one of the best versions of this effect. <laughs> so I just think like the, the interesting thing about the idea of like, you know, historic being put into arena is that there is an element to like the complete, you know, the completionist sort of purist in me that like thinks about that and goes, you know, it'd be like more fun to use all parts of the Buffalo here and have every card printed in. So I could really scour the set and see if there's a weird tribal card or some synergy that everyone else is missing that only I'm noticing, but like release more, release more of these historic anthologies. I'd happier doing that. Well, and and they're going to do the later, right? They've now, the historic anthologies were a bandaid to let them get ahead of the game enough to program sets into arena so that they could release the full limited formats because their plan was to try and get to pioneer it's just these have been so successful that it's hard to look at and what's really funny to me is when historic was announced it was announced kind of begrudgingly so arena was about to hit its first legal rotation people for the first time ever were going to have the cards that they owned outside of the beta test get rotated out of the format and everyone was like you need an eternal format you need a format where i can play with these cards and was just like okay here fine we come up with this format called historic which is like not the best name because it just dominaria literally has a mechanic called historic and then and at the time even they're like and any card that's rotated if you want to buy it is going to cost you two wild cards which was like an insane cost getting one rare wild card is so valuable to me that like spending two of them on a single card is like yeah. terrifying sounding yeah let me get a play set real quick for eight of my mm, rare wild right. cards are you out of your mind and and they were like okay fine well then you know the world com- complained uh, i think pleasant uh kenobi vincent was able to like garner a lot of support on how ridiculous that was and so was that that was changed um and then th- but there was like a cost to it i think like either what cards you got one rotation happened lessened or the cost of like what type of events were going to be available got lessened and that was what the other thing, right? They like kind of didn't support it. There wasn't really, unless you were going to, because at this point there wasn't direct challenge. So you like kind of had to go into weird tournament moments when they launch it. They didn't have ways to play it. Um, and they really didn't have ways to play it for like a month and a half after rotation. So there's even a moment where you couldn't even play it. Then they announced Pioneer. So you're like, wait, 
at this moment, you're trying to launch a, a rotating format that needs to exist, right? There needs, there is a need for a rotating format to exist the way magic, that's why they exist, that we explain kind of the point of it. There needs a place for standard investments to rotate into. Cards that rotate need to exist still. They can't just become trash. And that's true on Arena, and they needed to figure something out. And then at the same time, though, they announced this Pioneer format that, like, is not so far away that you can't imagine them eventually getting all those sets onto Arena, but it's pretty significantly far away, uh, kind of in, in in a path. So it, like, seems like forever until Pioneer is ever going to be on Arena, still. Um, and so you're, like, kind of balancing these two formats, and then COVID happens, and Pioneer doesn't really succeed. And now Historic is this probably the most played ro- non-rotating format in the world. Uh, I, well, I, yeah, I can't well, imagine. Let me this on that, on that subject really quickly, because there was a time when Modern was considered to be the best, and then the numbers waned a little, but it still seemed like it was played by a lot of people. There was a time when Pioneer seemed like it was killing it, and everyone was talking about it, and everyone was playing it. So what's the difference between everybody playing Pioneer and it being great and everyone loving it and right now with Historic? I mean, is there any real significant other than it just being the format du jour sort of? Uh, availability, right? I mean, like the big thing is that no one can play a paper tournament right now. I think I think right. like that's hurt Pioneer in a way that's significant um, that people are now invested in the Historic. I think that so like just it being on Moto is that I think that the Historic anthologies had effect on it, right? They're like they literally cherry picked 100 cards that are all unique and cool and fun and give power level to strategies in a way that you can't really with Pioneer. And so Pioneer became a little bit less fun and more samey. And I think that just part of it is like, you know, modern still exists. So Pioneer was always going to compete with modern. There there was always going to be like a weird fissure between those two deck styles. Yeah. and they're kind of still doing the same thing. Pioneer is easier for people that are new to get into, but it's harder for people that are not harder because you might have collections of those sets. But like, I don't have a Pioneer deck. I like and I don't I mean, I guess I will eventually maybe have it if I have to. But like the 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 investment of moving all of the cards from other decks that I have them in already, buying new cards that are staples in that format that aren't in modern. So it's different. Um, and getting even a chance to play that format when I already I need to figure out how to play some modern games just for this podcast <laughs> um, makes it really unattainable for me. And there's a lot of players that are just like, I already have a modern deck, even though modern has, you know, our number one episode on our YouTube channel at this point, basically is like modern is a rotating format. I still have Jund. Like I still have right, like, right, if you right. have dredge, you, even with faithless looting going away, your deck still is playable. Like there's a ton of decks that have survived. Even if they're not the tier one deck, you could still play modern and you can still take standard cards and apply to it. And, and that's something that has a bit of problem, right? That's the other maybe issue is that Pioneer was born under the assumption that standard new standard cards cannot compete in modern. A base level, a base Which level I understanding with of what forever. we're talking about is pretty much <laughs> is pretty much this, right? Modern is a great, great paper format. And it's a huge format, so you can't really put it into arena. You can play it on Magic Online, but Magic Online is only really a platform that has catered to grinders and streamers for years. It's it's fully a format that is basically there for people that want to grind a lot of Magic. It's not the most pleasing to look at. It's not the easiest to use. It's not available on Mac. So it's always kind of existed in this world where if a modern player wants to play a lot of modern, they're probably going to play it on Moto. That's like just kind of how it works. Or in paper. But right. Arena... Say what? Or in paper. Yeah, or in paper. <laughs> but I'm saying a paper player wants to play yeah. on Moto. So... But if you then want to play on Arena, which is their big, pretty, like, that's the thing they're pushing, that's the place. Well, you can't play Modern because it's too large. They can't put it there. But you can play Historic. Well, and Pioneer doesn't exist, right? Like that, like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So if you, want to be, if you want to be on their readily available platform and you don't want to spend the money on Modern, you're not a Moto player, Historic is the place for you. That's the thing that exists for you. And that ultimately really is, I, to me, that's what makes this decision is like, they're they're spending a lot of money and resources and time pushing this format. It became available on Mac on Thursday. Historic is their eternal format. So like, of course it's going to succeed over Pioneer. That that's where they're we're putting their time and money. Yeah, it it it, it was kind of what didn't make sense once Historic was announced and Pioneer was announced, right? Like, oh, the why do you have two of these? Because like, there needs to be a format for standard to rotate into that new players can more easily get into. I get that modern might not be that, but with Historic existing. On Arena, the most popular way to play Magic in right now, especially, 
why why invest the brain power in owning the decks and the cards into Pioneer when you can also still get modern, right? Like like that 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 format hasn't gone away. So so I think my recommendation to wizards at this point and it's a weird one because it's i don't think it's been done before but modern kind of just did it with modern horizons is just make historic paper legal like literally just say historic is a paper format all of the cards in uh anthology maybe release a like like uh some secret layers with each anthology into paper so people can get their hands on them or make sure they're included in some limited format that they release but like just make historic paper legal like just start playing it there instead of pioneer and just like like sorry pioneer didn't work we because of covid you had enough time to let historic grow large enough as you add sets on arena add them to historic in paper version like grow the formats together but have them be linked and there's I think, not even very many cards that would even like really take off in terms of their value is the hilarious part there's only a few that would actually get to be even a little bit expensive because of this yeah like tempered like, steel you, body double some yeah. of the older cards like enchantress presence maybe or like mirari's wake yeah. but these are cards they could reprint like not, nothing i believe none of these cards are on the reserve list um, all of those would i think all the ones you just mentioned would i think phyrexian obliterator would probably go up in price a little bit i think mythics and old um, stuff right that's that's what it mythics old stuff and like if there's a rare that is the best deck like if pack rat is the best card in in historic and they make it yeah, paper legal maybe it'll become expensive but like terror would become yeah. expensive because that card is expensive already in paper because it's just the last time it was printed was like in two, 1999 <laughs> yeah and it's and it's and it's effing sweet Oh yeah, I love Terravore. Um so yeah, so that's 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 my recommendation is just make historic paper legal. Use the historic anthologies, just every card that's legal on um on arena is legal and historic. That's the list. Scryfall and the Gatherer and Decked and every bait deck beta database can look it up. I don't think that's any harder than trying to remember what is in eighth edition. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, def- we definitely have a weird awareness of all the modern sets just from having done it for so long. But oh, uh, like yeah, I'm still not- surprised. People like, oh yeah, uh, uh, this card's in eighth edition. I'm like, no, it. Oh, I guess Boyle is in modern. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So I think I think that's my thought. Is like I think Pioneer, and and the last bit is is response, right? Like like. Professor mentioned this that like his pioneer videos don't do very well. Like if you can go look at this, like go look at the last couple of videos he's done deck techs of modern versus pioneer, even the videos we did yep. with him where he was like kind of risking it on us when we visited him on doing a modern focused piece of content did better than his pioneer stuff at the same time. And then let me see how these polls went. Now, now the polls come out. While Alex is looking up the polls, I'm going to take a quick second to do a few shout outs for us. Be sure to check out patreon.com. You guys can see all the cool stuff we're doing there. We have an awesome hangout that we do for about 10 or 15 minutes before every single podcast with the nobles of House Modern. Um, there are, is additional content. Alex has been putting in a bunch of time doing extra deck techs and putting them up on our on our YouTube page publicly. And we're able to do all that extra content now because of your guys' support. So go check out patreon.com slash the MMcast. Alex has been streaming a whole bunch at Kess Wiley on Twitch. Um, I know you've been doing a whole bunch of that school stuff. I'm actually going to be doing my very first magic stream. Um, I'm going to be doing it this weekend on Friday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Friday night, I'll be streaming. I'll probably be doing like a draft or something, to be honest with you, just, just to kind of get my feet wet. But I will be streaming, uh, you know, Arena on my Mac because I can do that now. Um, I'm very excited about that. So go check out Ben Bateman streaming. Um, I'll also be doing music stuff on that channel, I think, but uh, I'll be starting with magic. So if you're having trouble finding it, he's a featured channel on my Twitch. So if you go to at Kess Wiley, you can scroll down and Ben's one of like the six. It's like you, Tappy, Olivia, uh, and like magic or channel fireball. I forget the other ones. Um, yeah, uh, I'm excited to see you stream. I'm going to come harass you and drop some baby Yoda <laughs> and uh, Zuko emotes. Um, speaking of uh, the videos we posted, make sure to check out. I, I did a Nahiri commander deck tech that also kind of goes into should planeswalkers be commanders. Um, I would love to get you guys' feedback. And, and if you guys want more uh, content like that, if that's something you'd be looking at or being interested in, it would be really cool to get your comments there. So definitely comment if you watch that video and let us know if you want more because I can do more stuff. Um, yeah, so I brought up the polls and these are just kind of references to what people um, kind of it, it was interesting, right? On June, January 1st, uh, 2020, we put up the poll. What are you more excited about right now? Please retweet for Maximum Reach. Uh, Pioneer modern 
the only options. Pioneer won with 63% of the vote and 37% went to modern. 430 votes total. Um, so that like that's kind of in the middle. It's like right during the banning still happening, but like still when people are really, really excited about the format, it was this new fresh thing. Um, so that's a a 65 to 35 split, basically. Um, Mason Clark, uh, Mason Esports Clark did on uh, March 6th. So so right around when we were in Portland for the professor videos right before COVID. Which of these two formats are you enjoying the most right now, Pioneer or Modern? Uh, he also had results available. So uh, results had 20%. So people had no idea what they cared about. Um, Pioneer won 42 to 38. So about just above 50-50, right? Like it's pretty close. Pioneer did win um, and it came out ahead. We released a poll right before we started the podcast. Uh, less votes. We had um, so far to this date, we'll have 165, though Marshall will put, I'm going to give all of these polls will be above us or below us somewhere uh, in image form. Hopefully I will be sending the screenshots to Marshall. Um, we posted the poll, literally the exact same wording of the first one. I like didn't even want to change a letter. Uh, what are you excited most by right now? Question mark. Parentheses, please retweet for maximum reach. Parentheses, modern pioneer. Modern is winning 60 to 40%. So in that six-month period, and mind you, pioneer and modern are in the same place as far as availability to play. I can't play modern. I can't play pioneer other than pointing my camera at a table and me and Ben playing through 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 uh, Discord or on Modo. And modern is just... Which we have done, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're, they're, they're almost exactly available. Like proxies are allowed because no one's playing paper tournaments. You, we could play any format we want. Or kind of, or we can't play any format, depending on how you look at it. Um, and modern just has kind of brought back up a sort. Pioneer is still at 40%, right? It's still it's still something people are interested in and excited about. But that's just such a huge swing and, and a scary swing, not scary, scary for Pioneer swing back to modern and, and back to the norm, which is kind of the sign that these formats are dying, right? Like if people are like, I'm fine with modern and I have that deck already, I don't need to worry about it or I'm willing to invest in that. Obviously, we're the masters of modern. Uh, like the reason I wanted our tweet, the first one and this one to be the ones that we show is because that's the same audience theoretically through our Twitter. Um, and people are just I, I think that modern and the fact that people's viewership just on pioneer content is waning while historic is growing as fast as it is really kind of just puts a lot of like reasons for pioneer either needs a kind of reboot, a restart uh, or just a, like a big push is going to need to happen by wizards. A lot more work is going to happen to have have to happen from wizards to kind of grow pioneer when I think historic is just a cheaper and easier uh, option for everyone and them that it's like, it's less work because yeah, in the long run, they're gonna have to come up with the masters of pioneer or masters of historic or whatever anyway. So printing the anthologies into paper format, isn't that hard in that moment than it would be to do the pioneer version of it. I think you just, just make it historic thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, I think that you're dead on. And I think like we are going to come out of COVID. So I think it actually starts to kind of open up the next question and, and something I'd like to talk about sort of as the last part of our episode. Maybe even this is the hot take if we want to do that. But, um, you know, and I think it's kind of about the future of digital versus paper, where we're going to see that prominence and how that relates to Mac now supporting Arena as of this last week. Yeah, so I think uh, I think that there's an interesting conversation for us to have about because right now, look, we it's it's about to be July first. We've been experiencing massive COVID uh, pullbacks and and you know huge implications in the United States for the last four months. We will likely be dealing with this at least for another four to six. I think is is realistic considering the only thing that's really going to change the tide is if there's a huge, huge, huge public health awakening where everybody starts social distancing and wearing masks and nobody's going out, which even that's going to take a while. Um, and if that doesn't happen, then it's just a vaccine. So one or the other thing is probably anywhere between four months and a year from now, which magic will exist at the end of that. Just like most of the things that everyone was familiar with and loved doing before all of this started. That's one of the things that I think people kind of, I, I see this like doom saying, and I wonder, it's not like all the people that liked all those things before COVID became a problem won't still like those things or want to do those things when COVID is not a concern. So whether it's like young people dating or it's playing magic in a local store or it's eating in a restaurant or going to a movie theater, Every one of those things, there will be immense desire for once it's safe to do again. So I think maybe Magic loses some players to the digital platform, but Paper Magic will come back. It'll come back in full force because people love Paper Magic. Yeah, I, I actually don't. I, 
I think I think paper magic. I think COVID has proved that paper magic is stronger than we ever thought. Um, I think that the fact that it's surviving, the fact that it's surviving, not only that, but all of the kind of strife um, that has been going on um, just with magic in general between bannings and Wizards of the Coast's decisions in regards to some things and um, also Wizards of the Coast not doing some things and, and, and kind of those processes added to the fact that like – the fact that the commander scene is like not booming but doing well like commander content is still going strong people are figuring out how ways to play people are figuring out ways to play paper magic like tournament magic is hurt right that's like the thing that's weird and i i I question what the magic fest looks like going into um 2022 and does wizards kind of re-figure out what that model looks like since there's no longer like businesses centered around that concept and what do your local game store look like? But I think Paper Magic surviving all of this as is, the fact that it already is kind of surviving it shows that it's it's like Arena could be the best thing on the planet and it's not going to replace the gathering part of Magic the Gathering. Yeah, I agree. So I think with that in mind, it's sort of what it really talks about is what is the next four months to a year going to look like? What are we going to be looking like at the end of that? You know, and where what's the shift going to be? So let's let's start with this last Thursday. They have made Magic Arena available on Mac. Now, I had no problem installing this, booting it up, launching it. I haven't yet played a game, um, but <laughs> I... Knock on wood then. <laughs> say what? Knock on wood then? <laughs> yeah, but literally everything up to that point, and I'm talking I tested like most of the functionalities. I went and I purchased gems to make sure that like it take me into a different window and all the stuff that was such a pain before. What, you know, None of that was a problem. All the animations, the sound, everything was perfect. The boot up was fast. It was clean. It was easy. I quit it. I restarted my computer, booted it up again just to make sure, you know, and so mm-hmm. I was really happy. I've heard my understanding is that a lot of people have not had that experience, um, that a lot yeah, of people have had a I lot think, of glitches. I think like Wizards problem with their digital product launches, there's a bunch of reasons for it that we can get into. But the like also just like Pokemon Go at the same issue, right? Like when something is extremely popular and the company and or group that's running it isn't like used to a class title launches then there are things that go wrong and some macs weren't just able to install arena that was true when it launched on pc right so it you are lucky in the sense that as of now you haven't had issues because there are people definitely that haven't that's not to say that there aren't people that haven't had issues it's just uh it's like a russian roulette of does your computer accept the new system so with that being said it's now available which means that magic arena can be played on all computers that are up to speed that can actually you know run the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and as somebody, it's funny, you and I were talking about this before the show started. I was saying that one of the major limitations as a you know Mac user who has a Magic podcast and loves playing Magic over the years was that I never could understand why Magic Online and, and Magic Arena just weren't made available to Mac. It didn't make sense to me. It always felt like it was a major limiting factor. And one of the things that kept me much more focused on paper. Mm-hmm. And your response was that technically, even though I love competitive formats, Based on my play style and the fact that I love Highlander so much, I'm technically a casual Magic player. No, 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 no. Sorry. You're a casual gamer. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, you are not a casual Magic player because a casual Magic player is like a totally different thing than what we are. Uh, but you are definitely a casual gamer, right? You are – if you are a actual gamer – or a hardcore game, or because I think your statement was like Mac is the reason Mac, being on Macintosh computers or Apple computers is is you know Magic the Gathering committing to esports. And my statement was that esports doesn't care about Macintosh or Apple. I keep calling it Macintosh like I'm like 99 years old. Uh, it, it doesn't care about <laughs> Apple computers. Doesn't care about iOS. Uh, they they from their perspective, like if you are a gamer. You would either have a, uh, a video game system or you would have a PC setup, right? Like if you're actually serious about playing competitive esports magic you or games, you would have a desktop computer that would like glow and have cool lights on it and like three screens and whatever. And, yeah, yeah. and so making it available to Mac is almost more magic committing Magic Arena more to the casual gamer and the casual audience, which is large, right? Like, I think actually they're going to have a lot of success. It being on Mac is going to be very good for them because the audience for Mac can be a lot of people that they grow into um, and and is important for them growing and becoming like more watchable maybe. But I think from a, a perspective of like competitive gaming, Mac doesn't matter. Like most games aren't available on Mac that people play competitively. I can't get like it took League of Legends six years. It took uh, like 
unless like the only real system is like Blizzard is pretty good about getting games on the Mac computers, but like everyone else is just like I don't I don't even know. I, yeah, like, right. I like had that PC. And I bought a bunch of games for it, and then that PC got stolen. But because I bought them on Steam, I could download them on any computer I had. And I got a Mac next because I kind of hated the, the my PC laptop. It was like the touchscreen surfaces, whatever. And like Civilization Six was the only game that would be able to be installed on both. <laughs> so it's like, well, it's interesting it. what you talk about because yeah. because I I don't know a single person who's like, yeah, I just update I just updated my super super fast you know uh, gaming Mac. Like it's always some like giant square black huge right. thing that's like they claim the processing power is insane, but somehow costs a third of what my MacBook Pro costs. Right. And it's always like I have no idea how to use it, but they're just like for gaming, this is everything I need. It's way better than anything right. else you could possibly well, do with you, your computer. You can't do it that with a Mac, right? That's the reason gamers don't like Macs and why then gaming companies don't make games for Macs is because you can't customize your Mac computer to the same extent that you can customize a pc you can't like upgrade as soon as the next quality video card comes up you can't like switch that out you're just stuck with your mac one now the trade-off on that is that and i don't need to get into a large conversation about the benefits of Macs versus pc but Macs have a larger self-rape right like i have a 2009 imac that people use in the office still and is like a totally functioning imac if i was a pc i would have had to replace parts or get a new one so yep. like that that's a little bit of the balance um and figuring out which one is, is for you whatever but for 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 the cool thing about arena coming out is it does now hit a much larger casual audience right there's a lot more people that aren't into esports but wanted to play uh magic or just are mac users that couldn't play arena that now have that as an available option to them in a in a functioning way and i do think that that well, does increase the 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 chance of an audience for it I'm a magic player in paper. I always have been. I and I and I love so many things about paper magic, right? It's not just that I understand it, because I, I understand other things. I mean, I'm capable, obviously, I'm a smart person. It's that there's something about the the way the cards look. There's the history I have with the game. There's the way they look in sleeves. There's the foils. There's the there's just so much to magic that I have a really hard time letting go of or adapting to like Runeterra or some other game. Like it just doesn't connect with me the same way. It has no ability to break in for me. And so as that player, I just happen to be somebody who owns a Mac. And so my only real, <laughs> the thing I want is conveniently to be able to play the game that I understand that is dear and near to my heart on my computer. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where a lot of other players in my probably age group and level of experience with Magic will relate. It's not about wanting to play Magic on my computer, not being able to, so I'll adapt and play a different game. It's that Magic's the best game, and I've been playing it forever. So not being able to play it on the computer that I own can do everything else in my life has always been the issue and has always been like a restrictor for me actually taking my business and my support of Magic the Gathering online. Mm -hmm. It's always been the biggest limiting factor. And I think there's a lot of people that feel kind of the same way that they want to take that antique car parked in their driveway that they have so much history with they would never want to let go and be able to do it at at their computer desk. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you. I think I think there are a lot of magic players or casual magic players or people that used to play magic that like are Mac users. Like I think that's like a pretty significant number of people that now arena is now even more available. Right. So the, I, I do think you're right that there is a larger audience that is now gained by being a Mac just inherently. Right. Like 50 percent of Macs computers sold are and personal computers sold are Macintosh computers. And so I also think Macintosh, there it was again. I also I also think the last point there is it's not like it's not like you buy a MacBook Pro laptop because you're like, well, this was the only one I could afford and it does enough of what I want. You tend to do it because you have a sense of like it looks really sleek and there's a little bit of like a sense of pride. Maybe you've owned one before. You like how it looks. You like the advertising behind it. You you, you spend well, a lot of money on it. It's not cheap. Mm-hmm. So when you get that computer and it can't support the game you want, it's like a head scratcher. It's like, right. are you kidding? I can't and, play. And, and the way they're able to do it is they're selling it through, like they have to run their client within another store system, right? That's why you Epic have to buy game it through launcher, the Epic Games right? store. So like by being through the Epic Game Launcher, Epic Games has been able to give them more resources to be able to launch stuff on Mac. Um, and theoretically, there's, you know, the hope or idea is that this gets the iPad now and, and, and iPhone and, and all of those things, which will be really interesting if, when they pull that off. But and I think yeah. that's that blowing it out of the water, right? Once you can play this in an airport on your iPad is like an insane moment in magic history. Um, but the then like other game, Hearthstone does that. And like most other TCGs, digital ones can do iPad games. So that's like the what's available and, and we'll see if that ever happens. But 
yeah, I think I think I think you know one of the reasons people buy Macs. It gets a there's like obviously the culture around it. I know how to use a Mac or I know how to use a PC, and old dogs don't like learning new tricks. Um, yep. I think part of it is also reliability versus technical know-how. I think that a PC is a better computer if you know how to use computers, but if you don't know how to new, use computers, they're terrible for you. And yeah. if you know don't know how to use a computer, Macs are easy, right? Everything's a logo. <laughs> it just works generally. If it doesn't work. I go to a very nice location that fixes it for me or gets me a new one. <laughs> if yeah. my PC doesn't work, I have to call up Logan or Kyle <laughs> and beg them to help me. <laughs> um, so I like, I think that's part of the, the, the limitation, right? And, 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 and so that it being available on Mac definitely opens it up to a much larger casual facing audience, which I think will be really good for it. I also think they prioritize it at this moment, right? They're like, oh man, no one can play Paper Magic. The only way every audience member of ours gets to keep playing this game is if they get it on Mac, if they're Mac users, let's just f- focus on this. And I think that's one of the things they focused on over the last six months since COVID started happening. I think that that makes sense to me as a business decision. Um yeah, I, I think that'll be it'll be interesting. I think as far as its effect on paper magic, I think I think yeah, what I said before, COVID's going to have a, a more significant effect. I think that it being available on Mac isn't like it's not like oh now everyone can play Magic Arena, so we don't have to support paper anymore. I think it's like literally the fact that people were risking their lives, which by the way, don't do this. Don't go to a card store right now. Buy cards from your t- local game <laughs> store. Please support them. They need your help. But going to play games in a local game store is not a safe thing to do right now. Please do not go and do so. Um, but people were doing that. People went to their Magic 21 pre-release during the COVID outbreak in stores that would allow it. That's insane. And it's also just a sign of like, oh, there's like a fuzzy on here this whole time. Uh, also just a sign of how much people love playing paper magic, love hanging out with their friends. Like, I think that's also the thing with magic that other fandoms don't have. I don't know any other fandom. I don't know many other fandoms that your the property your love is also your community. And then for a lot of people, for a significant amount of people is also your income, right? Like. If you like League of Legends, you generally have like other gamer friends or you do other things. You don't like go and hang out with your league friends every weekend publicly. It's not the main thing you do outside. Like magic event people like magic people like you. are. This is a community. You are a part of community. Your friends all play magic. Your wife plays magic. The people you met played magic. Like all like it. You go travel to do magic like it's it's much more of, I think, a feature of people's lives. And so I don't think that goes away because COVID happens. I think that just has continued online. People are playing Commander games using Roll of 20. People are playing Magic Arena. People are figuring out ways to make things happen. And just it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, already Wizards was kind of trying to refigure out what tournament play was supposed to be to some six success and debatable success and so going into 2021 and more importantly almost 2022 seeing what does a magic fest look like are they maybe less of them Uh, is it every weekend uh if there aren't every weekend are they more real conventions do they focus on it more like quarterly big events that happen in major cities that people will like vegas is if there was like just like eight gp vegas is a year versus 30 or right. 48 grant ma- magic fests um or like I just, eight, I, eight I have per to tell country you, every phase of my life i think i'll ever be in till i'm 90 i hope it's that way i will always every year or two even if i'm out of magic a little bit i will always want and hope there's a gp or a magic fest that i can go to and i can sit down with 2000 people and i can think about my sideboard and buy my last singles when i get there and sleeve up and breathe recycled air for nine hours with other people and probably scrub out playing a stupid deck and just do it over and over and over again i will always love it it's it'll it's it'll be a memory that i'll cherish for the rest of my life and i hope that i can always do it it'll make me so sad if that's not an experience i can have anymore I I I I can't imagine it wouldn't be even if Wizards decides not to do it. Like I already know cosplay friends that are like, we'll just throw our own chief, we'll throw our own magic fest. Yeah. Let's just all go back to Reno. Um. So I, yeah, I I can't imagine magic being canceled. Paper magic. I think the gathering part. I think the gathering part is what makes it the best game ever. Right. I don't think like the gameplay is very good. Like the, the, it is the best game, but. Its existence outside of the game, I think, is its greatest strength, and 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 that doesn't go away because of COVID. That that we beat that. That's something we beat. 
as a as the, I don't know if we'll beat many other things, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they're like our willingness to hang out with each other. I think doesn't go away. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's the, that let's end it on that note. Uh, once again, thank you to our patrons. Thank you to the nobles of house modern. Um, Andrew Kelso, Cam Albergini and Brandon S. Russell. Pinkies up. Pinkies Big up. time salute to you guys. I uh, got a lot um, LaCroix just for that. Um, started this podcast without LaCroix. Normally I have like a line of three of them to go through. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Kess Wiley. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media. Be sure to follow along with all the stuff we're doing. You can find my new Twitch channel at Ben Bateman Streaming, or you guys can check out Nerds and Suits, youtube.com slash Nerds and Suits for the brand new stuff I'm doing there every single week. It's a very, very near and dear project to me. And if you're watching, if you're watching on YouTube right now, please like and subscribe. The bell button lets you know when new videos come out. We are coming out with new videos. There's no schedule to those new videos, so making sure you hit the bell button will get you alerted if stuff like the Nihiri Commander deck deck comes out, or we do a live playthrough, or I do a live stream with Tappy, or you know, all those other cool stuff we're working on. Michael posts some content. Marshall and me are, are thinking of doing some more Commander Live content. Um, so there's going to be a bunch of new stuff that comes out uh, and make sure to 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 just, you know, have it, like, stay safe. You know, support your local game store um, and don't d- d- touch people. <laughs> Wear a mask. Wear a mask <laughs> above all things. Uh, and yeah, thanks, Ben. Thanks for hanging out. Pinkies up. Pinkies Bye, guys. Up. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.